is that really in the Bible? You live in a world where everyone has an opinion about the Bible. Of what values are your beliefs if they are not clearly found in the pages of your Bible? The question we must ask is, are your opinions and beliefs really found in the Bible? Well, hello, I'm David Freeman with Is That Really in the Bible? In the year that Jesus was crucified, after he had been in the grave for three days and three nights, according to the scriptures, he rose from the dead and became the first fruits from the dead. Now, there was an incident with Mary. Jesus told Mary, he said, touch me not. This is right after his resurrection. And she went to grab him and, and he said, touch me not, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. In other words, he had to present himself to, to the, his father as the first fruits from the dead. Now, your Bible tells us this plainly in 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 20. But now is Christ risen from the dead and become the first fruits of them that slept. Now, <clears throat> about the same time Jesus presented himself to the Father as the first fruits from the dead, as the Sabbath was ending, People made their way down to a field of grain. A man stood over a stalk of grain with a sickle in his hand. <clears throat> and through a series of questions and the audience responding back, the man said, Is the sun down? And the people would shout, Yes! This sheaf! And he would point to the sheaf. And the people shouted, Yes! With this sickle! And the people responded, yes, shall I reap? And the people said, yes. And with a stroke, he cut off from the ground. This represents the first fruits of the early grain harvest. And it all occurred the same time Jesus was presenting himself to the Father as the first fruits from the dead. Dead. This offering depicted Christ. He was the real wave sheaf offering of the first fruits. Now let's take a look at this back in the Old Testament. Let's get educated here. Leviticus 23 and verse 10 <clears throat> says, Speak unto the children of Israel and say unto them, When you come into the land which I give unto you, you shall reap the harvest thereof. Then you shall bring a sheaf of the first fruits of your harvest unto the priest, and he shall wave the sheaf before the Lord to be accepted for you on the morrow after the Sabbath, the priest shall wave it. In other words, this is the day, the moment Jesus presented himself as the first fruits from the dead. Now I want to tell you something. Listen closely. God is now calling a first fruit. In fact, listen to this. God is now only, at this present time, God is now only calling a first fruit. You see, in the Bible, we had the early spring harvest, which is the first fruits. There was a much later harvest of fruits at the end of the growing season. But right now, we're not talking about that later harvest. Right now, I'm talking about the early spring harvest. God is now calling a first fruit. Let's take a look at James 1 and verse 18. 
Of his own will begot he us with the word of truth that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. Now, God doesn't stop with creating a first fruits, but right now he is only calling a first fruit for right now. Now let's notice what the Bible says about this subject. In Acts 2 and verse 38, it says, Then Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sin, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise, what promise? Well, the promise of receiving the Holy Spirit, is unto you and unto your children and to all that are afar off, even, notice this, as many as the Lord our God shall call. In other words, to come into this awareness, to be a part of the first fruits, you have to be called of God. This verse tells us something that is so powerful. That is, and that is that God is now calling a first fruits. Let's notice it again. For the promise is unto you, to your children, and to all that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. There is a first fruits. And that first fruits consists of as many as our Lord is willing to call. In other words, God's not calling everyone right now to be a first fruits. He's only calling a first fruit right now, but he's not calling everyone right now. Now, don't sell yourself short. You know, God could be calling you. Suppose God has called you to be one of the first fruits. What would that mean to you? Would it mean anything to you? You know, Jesus put it like this. He said in John 6 and verse 44, No man can come to me except the Father which has sent me draw him, and I will raise him up at the last day. What does that verse tell you? No man can come to me unless, unless he is called, unless he is one of the first fruits. Unless he is called, unless he is one of the first fruits, he can't come to me. Now, there's all kinds of people that fit into that category who can't at this time come to God. But I'm not concerned about them right now. I'm con concerned about who can come to God. Only the first fruits that God is now calling can approach and answer the calling of God. Again, don't sell yourself short. You know, the d dilemma that I've often dealt with is a lot of times we'll have people come to our church, they'll stay a while, and then they'll leave. And I wonder if the ones who leave, if they haven't sold themselves short. Because to me, there's only one reason anyone would, re would respond to this program. Is that really in the Bible? Only one reason. And that is God may be opening their hearts, your heart, your mind, to the possibility of being one of the first fruits. Again, it's so easy to sell yourself short. A lot of people will say, well, there's no way. There's no way God could be could want to use me. Don't sell yourself short. Now consider this. <clears throat> if God is now only calling a first fruits, and Jesus said, no man can come to me unless the Father draw him, well, what about the rest who are not the first fruits? Well, Simply, it's not their time to understand right now. Okay, now Jesus spoke about this subject, and that is 
The subject is people whose time is not yet. Now let's take a look at it and understand what Jesus is saying. In Matthew 13 and verse 10, And the disciples came to him and said, Why are you speaking to them in parables? Now, a parable was like a riddle. You had to figure it out. And Jesus, without exception, would speak to the congregation in parables, in riddles that hardly anyone could get. In fact, every time the disciples had to come to Jesus and they had to say, explain to us the meaning of the parable. Explain to, uh, again, again, again. He's, he's sitting his 12 disciples down and he explains the meaning to his disciples. Okay, so they wanted to know, why are you speaking to these people in riddles? They don't get it. They don't understand it. You're not connecting with them. Now, let me back up here. You've heard all your life that Jesus spoke in parables to make the meaning easier to understand. You've been lied to about the Bible. That's not what your Bible teaches. Let's take a look at it. Matthew 13, verse 36. Now, let's notice something that Jesus did. Then Jesus sent the multitude away and went into the house, and his disciples came unto them, saying, Declare unto us the parable of the tares of the field. Why did he send the multitude away? Now, he's about to explain the parable of the tares of the field. But before he does this, he sent the multitude away. That's like sending your whole church congregation away and taking three people and saying, I'm going to explain this meaning to you, but the rest, you send them away. Now, the reason he sent them away is because it was not their time to understand. It was not their time for the multitude to understand. And so Jesus sent them away. God wasn't calling them at this present time. Mark 4 and verse 10. And when he was alone, they that were about him with the twelve asked of him the parable. Notice that. Only a few people are gathered around Jesus and the twelve disciples are there with him. And he explains the meaning of the parable to them and them alone. Notice Mark 4 and verse 34. But without a parable... Without a riddle, spake he not unto them. And when they were alone, he expounded all things to his disciples. Now my question is why? If Jesus was trying to save the whole world, why would he send the multitude away and explain these riddles only to the twelve disciples if God is desperately trying to save the world? You see, you've been lied to about the Bible. You've been taught that God is desperately trying to save the world and Satan is desperately trying to get everyone lost. Well, if that's the truth, the devil is winning. Only about 30% of the world's population even claim to be Christian. Okay, God's losing by 60, over 60%. Now, let me ask you a question. Is God's best effort at getting the world saved through television evangelists. Well, the Lord is working mightily here today. Why we just heal, the Lord just healed Bertha Butt's big toe. Praise Jesus. I tell you, he went up, he did not go down. And, and, and all, all the, 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 the religiousosity, all the religion that you see out there on television evangelists, people slapping, up, slapping each other upside the head, knocking people over, is that the best God can do to get the world saved? And let me ask you another question. Are you the best God can do 
to save the world? Is your church God's best effort at saving the world? Let me tell you something about yourself. You are so self-deceived. You really are. If you really believe that, that, you know, people are either saved or lost, and if they don't hear the gospel, they're going to burn for all eternity in a lake of fire, you don't no more believe that. If you believe that, you wouldn't be living in an air-conditioned home. You would sell your home and live in a tent, and you would go out there and try to save souls if you really believed that. That if people don't hear the gospel, they're going to burn for all eternity in hell. You don't really believe that. You know, you wouldn't be playing church if you believed that. You wouldn't go to a church for 45 minutes and then at, at 1 o'clock in the evening, you're out there on the, on the golf course. I mean, how do you make that comparison? Okay, if people don't hear the gospel, they burn for all eternity in hell, but I'm golfing. What kind of, I mean, how, how do you reconcile those two? How do you reconcile those two? Truth of the matter is, you don't believe that. You don't, even, you don't believe God's desperately trying to save the world right now, do you? Now, a lot of people would say, well, I believe God will work it out somehow. You know, the missionary has a flat tire. He's on his way to Uganda, Africa. The little 18-year-old teenage girl, she dies of AIDS before he gets there. You know, she doesn't get to sing, you know, yes, Jesus loves me, this I know for the Bible tells me so. So she's not saved. Okay, what happens to her? You see, you believe that God will work it out. And I agree with you. God will work it out. You see, the difference between me and you is I know how God is going to work it out. And that's what this program is much about. The fact of the matter is God right now is only calling a first fruit. I mean, surely you don't believe your little panty ante effort to go out and invite a few people to church is the best God can do to get people saved. You don't believe that, do you? Now, why did Jesus speak to them in parables? You know, it, the simple answer was, is it wasn't their time to get it. It wasn't their time to understand. Jesus is not offering salvation to all people at this time. And there's a reason why Jesus is not offering salvation to all people at this time. Matthew 13 and verse 13. Therefore I speak to them in parables. Because, now we're, we're asking the question, why did Jesus speak to them in parable? Jesus is going to give us the answer right here. Because they seeing, see not, and hearing, they hear not, neither do they understand. And in them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah, which says, By hearing you shall hear and not understand, and seeing you shall see and not perceive. For these people's heart is wax gross, and their ears are dull of hearing, and their eyes they have closed. Lest at any time they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears, and should understand with their heart, and should be converted, and I should heal them. Yeah, there's a small possibility that a person can be converted, but it's not going to happen unless God is calling you and you are one of the first fruits. You know, what I have found is a lot of people, like <clears throat> when they respond to this program, if they listen to me long, long enough, they realize, uh-oh, there's a cost to my relationship with God. 
And once they find out there's a cost, you know what a lot of people do? They go back to their easy believism, their easy religion that tells them, oh no, there's nothing, just, just raise your hand and invite Jesus into your heart. That's all you got to do to be saved. Just go to church for 45 minutes and that's all you got to do to be saved. When they find out there's a cost, well, what is the cost? Well, how about unconditional surrender? How about giving up your sin? How about giving up that thing that you love? Yeah, called sin. How about overcoming sin? There's a cost to all of this. Yeah. You know, we, you've been led to believe that salvation is the easiest thing you will ever do. It's easier than sliding down a greased pole, you know, or whatever. I mean, it's just the easiest thing, a fireman's pole. It's, you know, it's the easiest thing in the world you can do, slide down. Okay, that, that's what you've been taught, that salvation is the easiest thing you will ever do. It's easier than choosing a college. It's easier than choosing a husband or a wife. It's the easiest thing. It's easier than starting your own business. It's the easiest thing you ever do. That's what you've been told all of your life. Now, if God wanted everybody to hear and see right now, everybody would see and hear. Look at Romans 11 and verse 5. Romans 11 and verse 5. Even so, at this present time also, there is a remnant according to the election of grace. Notice that. There's a remnant. God is calling a remnant right now. And it's all about according to the election, the choosing, the calling, the calling of a first fruit, the election of grace. Revelation 14 and verse 4 tells us, at the end of the Bible, it tells us, these are they which were not defiled with women. They are virgins. They are they which follow the Lamb wherever He goes. These were redeemed from a man among men, being the firstfruits. There's the word again. The firstfruits unto God and unto the Lamb. God is now calling a firstfruit. So what have we learned so far? Well, we've learned in the Old Testament that there was a firstfruit wave sheaf offering, that Jesus became that first fruit from the dead, the wave sheaf offering. We've learned that in the harvest of Israel, there was a first fruit harvest of the land, of the grain. And that represents that God is right now calling only a first fruit. We also learn in the Old Testament that there's a much later fruit harvest that comes later in the season. But right now, we're just dealing with the first fruits that God is now calling. We've also learned that Jesus became the first fruits from the dead. We discussed that. And that God is now calling a first fruit harvest. In the New Testament, we've learned that those whom God is now calling are referred to as the first fruits. James 1 and verse 18, again, of his own will begat he us with the word of truth that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. And in the last book of the Bible, those who are with God in the first resurrection are referred to as the first fruits unto God. Now, question, what about all those who are not the first fruits? Well, they will have their chance for their hearts and minds to be open when the rest of the dead are raised. Now, that's another story about the rest of the dead. You know, there's, there, Jesus spoke of multiple resurrections. He spoke of a resurrection to life. 
He spoke of a resurrection to damnation. But there's also another resurrection in between those two of the rest of the dead. When, you know, a lot of those who, when they will be given their first chance for their hearts and minds to be open. You know, the truth of the matter is, God, had, to a large degree, has blinded a huge amount of the population of the world right now. In other words, you know, God sort of looks at the world and he says, look, I know it's bad, but a lot of these people I'm not even dealing with right now. I'm not calling them right now. I have no desire to call everybody right now. But I do have a desire to call a first fruit. And there's a reason for that first fruit calling. You see, when Christ returns, the first fruits are raised from the dead. And they will join Christ in creating a utopian government on this earth. They will rule with a rod of iron. They will rule alongside with Jesus Christ to establish that 1,000-year government of God on this earth. That, that, that will prove that mankind can, if he has the Spirit of God, if he, if he follows the leadership of the Holy Spirit, can create a utopian government on this earth that is with God's help and God's family ruling on this earth. So there's a reason for the calling of a first fruits. And that first fruits will help establish that government of God on this earth. That's why it's so special. You know, again, if you feel like God is calling you, if you feel like God is opening your mind to the truth, in other words, you're starting to see things that you've never seen before. You've been in church 50 years and you've never heard some of this stuff, you know. Uh, and, and, and the truth, I'm speaking about the truth, not a lie, but the truth. And now the truth is not just believe, just accept, just invite Jesus into your heart. That, that's dead religion right there. That gets us nowhere, okay? There's all kinds of people who believe they are saved because they, yeah, invite Jesus into my heart. Okay. And then they go about living their lives like they always have. Okay, that's not real salvation. All right, that's not real. What, what, in other words, your mind, in order to confront, to be confronted with, in order to enter into a relationship with God, you have to be confronted with truth. In other words, confrontation. You have to be faced with something that you probably really don't want to do. You know, Lord, I don't want to do that. Okay? That's how you know God is dealing with you. When you've got that resistance, you've got that, you know, sometimes that edging away. I don't want to go there. Just be honest with God. Just tell God how you feel. Okay? I know when God was calling me, I told God, God, I don't want to do these things. I don't want to keep your Sabbath. I don't want to keep your holy days. I don't want to do any of that stuff. I don't even like being religious. Religious people have always turned me off. So I wasn't crazy about entering into a relationship with this being called God. I wasn't crazy about any of that. And I told God, I, I, don't, I don't like this stuff. But you know, when you're honest with God, he can begin to work on your heart. The key is you got to keep that honesty, that honest relationship going back between you and God. That's the key. All right. I'm talking about God taking the blinders off your eyes. 
I mean, look, we live in a world where the blinders are over probably 90% of our population. They can't see. They couldn't see if they wanted to see. And that's basically the reason Jesus spoke to them in parables. It would have been a waste of breath to explain it to the multitudes. They would have never gotten it. But he did explain it to the twelve. He did explain it to the disciples. He did explain it to the first fruits that God was now calling and working with. Now, I'm saying you might be one of those first fruits. You need to take this stuff seriously. You know, God only calls one time. And that's a true statement. I mean, he, he, he only calls one time. And if God is calling you, today is your day of salvation. Today is your chance for salvation if God is opening your heart and opening your mind to his truth. Uh, now, it is, it's also true that God is not calling everyone at this time. That's also another true statement. But uh, he is calling a first fruit unto Jesus Christ. And you might be one of those people. If you are, take it seriously. Hebrews 11 and verse 35. Women received their dead, raised to life again, and others were tortured, not accepting deliverance, that they might obtain a better resurrection. What is this about a better resurrection? Well, the better resurrection is the resurrection of the first fruits who come up when Christ returns, the trump sounds, and the dead in Christ rise first. The first fruits will rise first. Okay, so here's to all the first fruits that God may be calling. I will see you in the better resurrection. What kind of holidays will be kept when Jesus Christ returns to set up his kingdom on this earth? Will the traditional holidays of our society be kept, or will God institute His holy days found in the pages of your Bible? Find the answer to this question by ordering your free magazine entitled, Seven Holy Days. The greatest story ever told is found hidden within God's holy days, like a mystery that goes deeper and deeper. So each holy day reveals a deeper understanding about the mysteries of God and what God is doing through mankind. Order by writing to Church of God Rocky Mount, 27 Brookledge Lane, Rocky Mount, Virginia, 24151. That's Church of God Rocky Mount, 27 Brookledge Lane, Rocky Mount, Virginia, 24151. Also, check us out on the web at isthatreallyinthebible.com.